Hello, everybody. Welcome to Culture Surfing. Once again, we are back to talk NBA playoffs. This is Lance Robertson, of course, and I, along with Anoy Aaron Neva, are here to talk about everything that's happened in the last week or so. Uh, sorry for the delay in getting back to everybody, but, you know, real life happens and we got to take care of that first, family first and all that. Um, but let's just go ahead and um, send our condolences uh, to a very legendary basketball um, personality coach and just the overall uh, influential person in John Thompson. Um, he did pass away yesterday. Um, Alan Iverson did come out and say some very, very lovely things about the man. Uh, essentially, not even essentially, outright just saying that he, thank you for saving my life. Because, you know, Alan Iverson, before he went to Georgetown, was in a little bit of trouble, even though, you know, it wasn't necessarily all his fault, but he just caught himself up and, you know, he was able to get out of it and go to Georgetown and and make something of himself. And he put a lot of that on uh, John Thompson. Also, John Thompson coached the legendary Patrick Ewing in the 80s, you know, and he, and he stayed with the game, even on the sidelines, uh, working for Turner Sports. And yeah, uh, it's just uh, sad to see him go in 2020 has just just been a horrible year overall for for everything from encompassing basketball, real life, obviously, you know, movie stars and things like that have just been taken from us <clears throat> that were on their way to greatness. And of course, you know, we can't forget about the late, great Kobe Bryant. Um, but yeah, Noe, uh, on lighter news, uh, let's just go ahead and talk about the Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder game. Okay, yeah. Uh, first, first, also my respects to uh, John Thompson. Um, will be definitely greatly missed in the basketball community. But like Iverson said, uh, he's he's on to a better place and uh, looking down on us with a smile. Um, now, with as far as the uh, Rockets Thunder, um, last night. We had a hell of a game there. Tied at 100 with a minute to go in what every big star is supposed to dream of as far as the clutch in the playoffs to, to make something happen. And I think what stood out to me the most is probably the lack of shine from Russell Westbrook. I think, you know, yeah, some of that can be, a t you know, can, can be – attributed to maybe lack of rhythm he has he has you know missed some time but a big part of that is also kind of attributed to just Westbrook being Westbrook what, what do you think about his performance there in the last what we'll just say in the clutch okay so just for context um I'm going to say that his uh, field goal percentage or not just percentage but his overall shooting was eight for 15 from the field one for two from three so that's actually a pretty efficient uh, stat line from Westbrook uh, shooting-wise. He's usually not that great of a shooter. Um, I mean, of course, most of that is because he, he was going to the lane. But the turnovers, I mean, this is not something that we are stranger to. You know, yeah. we, we know about these things. Yeah, seven overall. Uh, I don't have the numbers here in front of me, what he did in the last couple of minutes, but I know he got stripped by uh, – Chris Paul, he airballed a free throw, which essentially you can count as a turnover, you know. Um, other than that, he had a couple other ones. He was throwing at people's feet. It was crazy. I mean, even there was a there was a a, a play where he threw it at someone's feet, and thankfully they were able to catch it, but it was on the baseline. It could have easily went out of bounds. Mm -hmm. But then there's a, just other plays where he was just out of control. And, I mean, this is something that we've come to just – be normal like it's just normal watching Westbrook do this and it's just he hasn't done anything since he won the MVP in terms of getting out of the first round you know three straight years even with Paul George they they get knocked out of the first round and with Oklahoma City Thunder and now here we are with Houston Houston obviously has a lot more at stake than Oklahoma City did you know post KD there's jobs on the line you know, we have D'Antoni, we have Maury. He, he risked this. He risked the small ball because he believed in the duo of Harden and Westbrook. And it looked good, you know, February, January. Um, 
But it's just this series, when you're going against a cerebral person, player like Chris Paul, where every possession matters, you can't afford to to throw these plays away. And then Harden, you know, I sent you that video where Harden is is just deferring. Like he it just looks like he is he's passive. He's not even asking for the ball. He's not even looking for it. Like there's one where he screens for Westbrook and then he doesn't even like, hey, I'm open on the screen. He just is like, yeah, it's whatever. Do what you want to do. And I and I just don't understand why that happened. I mean, I get why you have Westbrook, but I'd rather have Harden, his methodical dribbling. You know, at least, yeah, he's going to take forever to get. Methodical yeah. Dribbling. Yeah. But at least you're going to get something better than what Westbrook is going to give you, you know? Dribble, 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 dribble. Yeah, but at least, but you know that Harden's very calculated, whereas Westbrook is not calculated. If he doesn't get his buckets, he's going to get to the free throw line. And Westbrook, it, this is this is James Harden's team, right? It's supposed to be at right. least. Um, like I said, you're tied at a hundred. You got a minute to go. The, you the game. Your your possibility of advancing. You know, just ending the series, closing out the series right then and there, avoiding having to go through the stress of going into a game seven. I mean, it was there to be had, and you know, as much as Westbrook just threw it away. You know, Harden should have should have put his team in a better situation to win that game. Whether that's you know doing more during the game, as far as not letting that game be tied at the end there, which is neither here or there. But most definitely, when you were at that juncture of the game, you have to take control. You have to take the ball out of out of out of Westbrook's hand. It's your it's your team. You have to find a way. You're you're the league's most prolific scorer. You know. Sons Durant, who's who's injured right now, you, you got to have that ball in your hand, man. You got to go make it happen. Get to the free throw line, like like we know he's the best in the league at. You know, do your step back three, whatever you got to do. You got to win that game. You don't want to put your team in a, in a game seven situation because then anything can happen. Uh, credit to you, by the way. In our preview for the the playoffs, we we when we touched the series, your your prediction was. Thunder and seven. I laughed it off. I thought it was Rockets and six. And last night with a minute to go, I felt confident in my pick. I said, hey, you know what? I had Rockets and six. This is it right here. You know, ball's going to be in, in Harden's hand. He's going to close his game out. They're going to move on. And that'll be that. Now it's looking like your prediction has a shot. You know, I don't, I don't, I still think Houston finds a way to move on, but they ruined my prediction last night. So I'm not happy about that for sure. Chris Paul is a narrative killer. Oh, the narrative that's, that's what he is. For this series, though, is outstanding. It's probably the best narrative in the first round because of all of the, you know, the history and the trade, and you know, CP3 is playing with that chip on his shoulder, and he's playing on, a, on what's supposed to be a lesser team. You know, they were written off from the get go. Right as soon as this trade was done, it was it was like yeah. I mean, people didn't even think he was going to want to stay there because they weren't going to compete for anything. And everybody was like, yeah, he's going to want, he's going to force his way out because they're not going to compete for crap. And then here they are about to knock out what's supposed to be a title contender, at least in their own minds, in the Rockets. And De- definitely at least say a team that's supposed to scare the real contenders, right? right like yeah. Houston is supposed to be like a you know, potential spoiler team. Right. You don't want to run into the Rockets because they can light it up and they may just you know, put a dent in your, in your championship road. But I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, here we are against the Rockets or here we are against uh, the Thunder and they're not, they're not, they're not stepping up to the plate and, you know, so credit to the credit to the Thunder too. Uh, it's not, this is not just the Rockets threw this game away, you know, the, the right. Thunder have played. And, and I know after the first two games, I was like, Oh man, like, yeah, this is, this might go five. Um, cause it was really lopsided those first two games. And I know even you were jumping off your, your, your bandwagon, you know, and, and as much as you love the narrative and as much as you love Chris Paul, yeah, you were jumping off of it. I can't imagine yeah. that there wasn't a lot of people that were saying this series is going to go seven after those first two games. Yeah. I almost lost my membership in the fellowship of, uh, Chris Paul, <laughs> the cathedral of Chris Paul. Uh, but I was able to, to, to not lose my faith and also not get smited in the process by Chris Paul. <laughs> Yeah, but just to speak more to Chris Paul, 
He had 13 points in the fourth quarter. There was a sequence uh, we were talking about last night where there was a technical, and honestly, Chris Paul was in the wrong there. You know, I get it. He's fighting for his team, but he got a technical because he swung his fist, and we all know that's that's a rule that you swing, you, you air punch, yeah. you get a tech automatically. And I was like, man, that that might be game. Which I you know? I can't stand that rule. Um, no, yeah, playoffs, you, man, like let these guys show some kind of. They're not robots, right? A big no. part of what makes these guys as successful as they are is that they are extremely passionate and extremely competitive for the sport. They wouldn't be where they are without that. And I feel like the league trying to control that, you know, emotion because they, they feel like it's got a negative connotation. I mean, this is sport. Like, it's passionate. It's, it's you know, it's competitive. And it can be at times frustrating. And I'm 100% okay with the emotion and the outburst of emotion. It, it's one thing if you're going to go and cuss out the ref, right? But your yeah. punch, like... Yeah, and it's Chris Paul. You'd think that he has harbored some respect from the refs where it's like, hey, man, just let that go. It's like ejecting LeBron or something. They don't let it go. It's an automatic T. I think sometimes, and I don't want to go too off on a tangent, but I think sometimes officials kind of do want to make it about themselves and they want to, I mean, make their name, I guess you could say, by doing these these egregious calls because it's just like, man, that's something you could have let go. Now, if Chris Paul cursed at the, the official, then, yeah, I get it. You can't be cursing at people. Oh, right, yeah. And you can't touch anybody, but it's one of those things like, say, like a player just like runs off the other side of the court is like, oh, my goodness, you know, and it's just like, yeah, they're kind of being demonstrative, but at least they're not in your face about it. But uh, but yeah, anyways, yeah, Chris Paul got a steal on Westbrook, very clutch steal. He hit back to back threes on on, on consecutive possession, uh, possessions, which he's not known as a three point shooter. He's actually one of the best mid range shooters in the league besides uh, Kawhi Leonard. But he's able to come up big in these moments. You know, we're told that, oh, Chris Paul is old. Oh, he's too, he's not, yeah, you know, he's come, physically not ready anymore. Yeah, the narrative coming out of Houston is that he was washed, that he was over, that it, yeah. you know, maybe he can go contribute on a contender, you know, as, you know, as in a lesser role. Yeah. Well, people were saying he should opt out of his, his max contract right. that he earned. So he can get money, and Chris Paul and I love him for. He says, "I'm not, I'm not getting. No, I'm not doing that. I want my money, and I deserve my money." Yeah. I mean, he's player. He's a pretty much the president of the, the the players' union. He's he did that. Not obviously he can get it, but so everybody that earned it can get that. And that hey, that's that's on the people that signed him. You want to say it's a bad contract? He got what he got paid. You are what you got paid. So like a bad contract right now. I mean, if you're OKC, it's paying off for for them. You know. They got pieces. I mean, if they get out of the first round alone, that's impressive. Like I said, they haven't done that since KD left. So that's yeah, wild. That's big. It's wild. And 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 I don't. So I'm just gonna throw these numbers real quick for Harden because I feel like I feel like maybe we were being a little harsh. So I just want to put this in perspective. So coming into Game Six, he had a 31.1 per, which is a player efficiency rating, and the league average is 15. So he is doubled the amount of a league average. So he's obviously like top tier in that regard. Uh, he had a, he has a 64% true shooting, which incorporates free throws uh, and three pointers. So it's not just like field goal percentage. It incorporates all those at one time. So that's pretty high. Okay. And then he's also averaging damn near 32 points per game. So it's crazy how elite he looked with Westbrook off the floor. Well, all of those things are, you know, exactly why I'm saying that the ball should be in his hands at the end of that game as opposed to going yeah. to That's It's just – it just it makes sense. I don't – oh, at least it does to me. But oh, it does. we have the history with Westbrook. We've known he would do it with Durant. You know, he would monopolize the ball a lot. And oftentimes in situations when it wasn't best for him to be taking those shots, he would. And I get it. He's a competitor. He's also a little bit delusional because he thinks he can make a lot of those when, when he can't, you know. What I mean? And that's also what makes him great, right? Is because he doesn't believe everything. So it's a double-edged sword with him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but at the end of that game, I mean, Harden's not airballing shots from the top of the key. You know, he make anybody's liable to have a turnover, but it's less likely that he would be as ineffective as Westbrook was at the end of that game. This series here. When it when it's closed, 
it like 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 I you know me, man. I love to watch the, the world burn. Give me OKC winning it now. Fuck my prediction. I want to see it burn because I really I'm really curious to see what Houston does from here, right? Like D'Antoni's contract is up. I would assume he doesn't get renewed. I don't know how much of that is on him because the pieces just don't fit. Does 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 ownership move on from Maury or do they do they you know keep riding it out and you know hope that he is able to turn it around? Do they do they keep trying to move Westbrook? Do they or do they try to move him? I mean, it their off season if they get knocked out in this first round, their off season it's a fire sale. Yeah, it becomes incredibly interesting as far as like you know a spectator from from afar. I'm not obviously I'm not a Rockets fan, so for me it'd be great to watch. I, I'd be really curious to see what happens. If you're a Rockets fan right now, though, you're praying that this doesn't go south because if it goes south, it's 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 probably falling apart altogether. Yeah, I think this is the only thing that I'll say. I think Harden will be the last person standing in that, if that happens. Yeah, he's the only one that you that you shouldn't move, I think, right? Right. And honestly, Westbrook, for whatever you want to say about him, there's a lot of teams that need a star point guard. And no matter what you say, he is still a star point guard. He's maybe not, you know, first, second, all-team, all-NBA, although he did look really good, like I said, during that stretch in February. But we know what it boils down to in the playoffs. There's no guarantee you know. that Harden doesn't ask out either, you know? Um, if, if they go into a full deconstruction, there's a chance that he just gets frustrated with it altogether and says, hey, you know what? I'm not getting any younger. I'm not I'm not trying to be here for a rebuild. Maybe Harden pushes his way out the door. And, and see, and that is a situation where I don't even – because, you know, it's crazy that players get brought up in trade rumors all the time, but you never hear Harden in those trade rumors, and you never see trade machine, like, like ideas like, hey, this is what we could do for Harden. And it's like, I can't even – I can't fathom what you could get for him right now and where he would actually go. I don't know, but I want to see it happen. I mean, like, I want to see – like I said, as, as, a, as a fan from afar, having no interest in the Rockets whatsoever – I'd love to see what would happen if they got knocked out of the first round. It would definitely be entertaining and drama for a good chunk of whatever whatever the offseason is going to look like. Yep. We don't even know what that's going to be. So, and the, okay, so the last thing I'll say about the series, because I think we we touched on everything pretty well here, but I will say just expect Harden to be a lot more aggressive oh. game seven. I don't think he's going to do what he did in the last couple of minutes. I think he's going to be like, you know what? I am the reason why we're here. And I'm going to be the reason why we either lose or we win. So it's going to be on my back either way. So I might as well go out swinging. I still think the Rockets move on as much as at this point I would like to see OKC win. OKC wouldn't do anything in the second round. Um, the Rockets can make some noise, though. So it just. I I want to see Chris Paul versus LeBron, though. I really do want to see that. So boring. They're going to get destroyed. All right. I don't know. Let's go. All right. On to. Heat Bucks game one was last night. It was everything I thought it would be, and then some. It was an absolutely wildly entertaining game. What What are your thoughts on it? Aside from the fact that it was definitely probably the best game in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Okay, so you know the Bucks. Yes, they they beat the the Magic, but there are times where the Bucks just didn't look as dominant as they did in the regular season. There was times where they actually gave the Magic some false hope, which is okay because they still beat them 4-1, but it's just like, you know, that was supposed to be an easy 4-0 or at least, you know, yeah, the gentleman sweep, but like blowouts most of the games, and it ultimately turns to that. But there was too many stretches where the Magic actually had a faint chance of even winning. But the Heat... The way that this team plays, they are one of the higher uh, shooting three-point teams in percentage and in just overall attempts. And the way that the Bucks' defense uh, is, is they actually allow a lot of three-point attempts. And it's not that they are bad at it. It's because literally that's what they do. Bud, he sacrifices the three-point you know, shots in order so he can you know, focus more at the rim, which is why you saw a lot of floaters last night you know, more so than like dunks and layups. So, you know, shout out to Goran Drogic, Jimmy Butler. They had some very nice um, floaters, some nice teardrops. But the Heat, 
obviously took advantage. I mean, they have some of the best three-point shooters in the league. Um, ironically, Duncan Robinson, you know, they're probably their best shooter overall, didn't have a great uh, shooting night in general, and they were able to still, you know, uh, get a nice percentage uh, from the field. But yeah, Jimmy Butler absolutely dominated. I mean, 40 points, 13 for 20, two for two from three, and he also got to the line uh, 13 attempts and made 12 of them. I mean, come on. This series is going to be fun. I don't think it'll go like it did last night. You can't expect Jonas to have as bad of a game as he did last night throughout the rest of the series. Um, he's gonna he's gonna find his groove. He's gonna find his 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 buckets. This is gonna be a hell of a series. I still think, as as you know, I'm not gonna say as weak, but like Milwaukee definitely looks beatable. But I still have them winning the series. I, I it'll be wildly entertaining though, and I love. I'm a big Jimmy fan. I love watching Jimmy and Jimmy do Jimmy things. The game was already decided. He's still getting, you know, going for that final steal and trying to get dunk at the end of it. It's like, he's just an asshole. And I personally love it. I'm a fan. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned Giannis's uh, performance. It's insane that he almost finished with a triple double. And he actually, his shooting percentages were great. He even shot 40% from three, but he missed 12 free throws. The I mean, come on. Free throws was bad, yeah. He only made four out of 12. I'm, and he airballed one or two, which he, he tends to do that every game. He airballs at least one free throw. I'm going to let you guys into a little secret here, a little insider information. I've been on the Giannis to Dallas, I won't say bandwagon because I'm the only one in it. <laughs> yeah it's a unicycle it is a unicycle at this point. unicycle movement but man last night i think i might have hopped off my unicycle when i saw all those missed free throws because i'm like geez man we got luke out here missing hello free throws in the clutch i can't have another one of these euros come over here and not be able to hit free throws in the playoffs fuck man i i love the idea of the fit uh of Giannis and dallas obviously i don't you know, I'm not a big believer that it would actually happen, but um, yeah, last night I had my doubts. I was like, I don't know if I really think this fits great fit, man. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because it's not like Miami just had a great defensive night because even Middleton at one point looked like, oh wait, this is a legitimate second tier star for Giannis. You know, yeah. I mean, he led uh, the team in scoring. He was aggressive. And typically in the playoffs, he kind of falls back. Um, but I just think this is a, this is one of those wake-up games. This is where Bud's like, okay, like, I can't. And this is another thing about Giannis. He, with Bud, Bud has a tendency to to rest Giannis during the playoffs, which is a weird thing. You know, you can't do that. The regular season is the resting part. His rotation so deep. It's really, I don't even think it's so much about resting Giannis as much as it is, like, he's got, like, a, like a really deep rotation. And we've seen him play 11 players in the first quarter, which is nuts for what everybody else does. I don't know that it's so much that he's resting Giannis on purpose as much as he just – he has a deep rotation. And he does like to keep his player fresh. That that also has the counter effect that it tends to keep players from getting into a full rhythm. Yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, you know, it's going to be close. I still have Bucks and six. Um, I was very, very aware of this Miami team that how good they could be. I didn't think they were going to sweep uh, Indiana, so that is, I mean, that's impressive. I mean, say what you want about Indiana, but they do have some some nice pieces, and yeah, uh, Miami is already setting the tone. Um, obviously, people are overreacting on the internet, man, and yeah. it's kind of sad. It's, Miami, it's like, come on, man, they're not favored to win this series just because of what happened last night. That's for sure. Right now. Obviously, we can go back to last year, and the Bucks were up two all on the Raptors, and we saw what happened there. But this is not the Raptors, you know. Like, let's just calm it down. I think uh, the Bucks have have earned our respect to at least not overreact on one game. I mean, they still have arguably the best player in the league. I mean, it's yet to be seen if he's going to win MVP. I think he will. I think he will be one of. He'll be what the last person since uh, Steph Curry to win back to back MVPs. Yeah, and I don't know who. And I think the last person to do that was Steve Nash, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, that's that's a legendary stuff right there. But uh, yeah, I, I look for next game to be a little bit more tight. I mean, you know, the first quarter of that game, um, 
the Bucks dropped what forty points in the first qu- the first quarter. Twenty three point deficit, I believe, for uh, the Heat that they just completely erased. Yeah. So it was. Uh, so here it is. So forty in the four- first, and after that, they never even reached twenty five. And in the fourth quarter, they only had eighteen points. So yeah, you got to keep that up for the whole game. Yeah, they they um, from from good to to bad. Their their game. They they went the opposite direction of what they want to be trending in during the game. Right. And Goran Dragic, I, 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 we, we haven't talked about him enough. Um, before this se- uh, season, uh, there was, you know, talks of uh, a Mavericks trade, yeah. you know, of Mavericks almost getting him. And I was, was one of the there, people. At, at one point, I think there was like a trade agreement and it fell apart or well, something. So, so what happened was there was a trade, but the Mavericks supposedly weren't going after Drogic. It was like Kelly Olenek, uh, Derek Jones Jr., and someone else. So so it's ironic that, yeah, there was a trade, but the Drogic report was supposedly false, even though now that you look at it, it's like, man, that would have actually been a nice, you know, piece. You know, even though it's not great defense, but it's just another player you can depend on to actually do something with yeah, the ball. More defense, um, uh, but yeah, Goran Drogic is, is, is coming uh, – into this series, I mean, averaging twenty plus points, which is something I thought was done with his career. I thought he was, I thought it was over. You know, I thought he wasn't gonna be able to do something like that. Uh, and he looked really good last night as well. I mean, we already mentioned about uh, Jimmy Butler, but uh, yeah, Goran Dragic looked really good. Twenty-seven points on nine to fifteen, two for five shooting from three. So I mean, even got him six boards, which is not something I. I uh, I recognize with uh, with Drogic. Do you have anything else to say about this uh, this series? No, no. I, other than yeah, I think it's going to be a hell of a series. I I could see it going seven. I, I think I could see uh, Bucks and seven. Yeah, I guess I could see that more now than since they dropped the first game because I really didn't think they were going to drop the first game. Um, but this is definitely. I think this is the loss that the that the Bucks needed to wake up because I don't think they. I don't. I mean, I think it would have been better if actually the Magic um, would have won a couple, like another game. I think the ur- the sense of urgency probably would have been a lot higher for the Bucks if they maybe would have been, you know, one, tested a little bit more. One, one loss to the Magic should have been enough to say, "Hey, playoffs started." You you would think, right? Focus and 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 this could all be changed, right? Uh, you know, this could have all been changed if if. Um, Giannis didn't miss 12 free throws, right? I mean, it's not like he had a bad game. So it's not like the Milwaukee did anything or the Miami Heat did anything to – yeah, I think Giannis just stopped himself. Well, Giannis on himself, yeah. He, he. Do you think they'll do some hack of Giannis moving forward or do you think this is just a, an anomaly of a game? I, You know what? I think Giannis is not a great free throw shooter, but he's not that bad to – warrant a hack of any kind of method you missed 12 in one game i'm, I'm gonna test your mindset yeah you gonna do it next game i'm not saying that i'm gonna do it for sure but i want to test it uh, if he if he start, let's say he misses a couple free throws early yeah i'm gonna do it to him because i want to get in his head and see what he's got well, you better get at the end of the bench and do that because yeah. you know oh, yeah yeah because the bucks already have i mean Giannis is literally a runaway freight train that can get you into foul trouble on his own on his own yeah next yeah on his own about uh raptor celtics Yes, this is to me one of the better series just by looking at paper, right? Like you see the wings, you see the budding star and uh, Jason Tatum, you see the recover, uh, the reigning champions that even though they lost arguably the best player in the league, they are still right there again and their defense never faltered and their offense. To, to me, it's reminiscent of the 2011 Mavs in that there's a there's a you know more than one or two people that can kind of do their own, but they do it in a collective effort. So it's not like one person is dominating. Obviously, Dirk did that, but anybody else, it's just like yeah, they can spread the ball. They're not selfish. They move the ball around. Um, but unfortunately, at least for Raptors fans, you know the the Celtics kind of uh, kind of smacked them around in the first, and I think some of that we spoke to, uh, spoke about a few days ago. I think some of that is just the Raptors being rusty, and they just made a lot of undisciplined uh, foul uh, fouls. I mean, they were like history there, not giving the Raptors just what's that? So there's also some history there with the Raptors just not playing well in game ones. No, they they historically give up a lot of game ones. You know, I mean, look, they lost the first two to the Bucks last year, and look what happened. I mean, 
They're just a little slow starting team. Kyle Lowry is just coming back from an ankle injury. Um, I still think this is going to be a seven game series with the Raps, you know, deeming the uh, deem the victor. But Boston, Boston looked good. Boston looked really good. I really feel like this series is a, a complete toss up. Um, I could see it going either way. I I would love for it to go seven games. I think it will go seven games. I could really see either team winning it. The this Boston team, they are feisty. They you know, on defense, they're uh, everybody knows that they, they they got the depth to defend at multiple positions. They struggle to defend the big man, which is you know that that may be a factor in the series. <sighs> I don't well, so the thing, yeah. So the thing with the big man on fighting on on the series. Oh, you, you still have you don't uh you don't know yet. You haven't uh, thought about it, or I'm sure you thought about it, but it's kind of hard to. I mean, because this was a toss up. I could very well see Boston win this too. That's why I, yeah, you know okay. when you put seven. That's why I have a hard time picking who I who I think is going to take the series because, you know, I think either of these teams could easily, you know, advance. Well, not easily, but like if it goes to seven. That final game could go either way. Um, give give me for the sake of having some adversity here. Give me Boston in seven, and I and you can take you can take the Raptors in seven. Yeah, and like I said, I I it, I wasn't like yeah, the Raptors are definitely winning this, but there were just things that I think obviously Nick Nurse is I mean, he hasn't even been in the league that long, and he's still like arguably the best coach in the league, at least top three. You know, obviously Brad Stevens has done what he's done, but he also hasn't been as far as Dick Nurse. And yeah, you can say he didn't have Kawhi, but even without Kawhi, you know, the Raptors haven't skipped a beat. Um, so for game one, they fell behind by 19 points in the first quarter. The Raptors did. They were still able to make it a game. I believe that they didn't fall that behind that much. I think they would have won the game because there was there was times where they, you know, they got back in the game, but it was just. They just got down by too much too soon. Yeah, it was just a lot to overcome. Um, this this Raptor squad is fun to watch. It's definitely not the Kawhi Raptors, though, right? Um, no. There's not really a person on this team that's like, I'm going to get a basket. And, yeah, they have players that can do that, but it's not like the last three minutes of the fourth quarter, this person is literally just dominating well, it's possession. Definitely, it's definitely more – well, throughout the whole game, it's definitely a – team offense which i enjoy watching right like it's right it's great to watch them move the ball and get good looks and it not necessarily have to run through one particular player i mean they, whoever gets the best look is who's taking a shot um and i like that i enjoy it now correct me if i'm wrong because you're the soccer guy here but watching them reminds me like you know and i sparingly watch soccer but when i watch it with you you know you point out the intricacies of the game but watching them it's kind of like watching a fine-tuned soccer team that has a passing system. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's it's a little – I won't say – I won't go quite as far as comparing them to, like, the Barcelona team, but it's very, very similar to their style. Um, they The difference is, though, even, even with Barcelona, they've always had kind of, like, a player that they that they do run the offense through if they have to. Um, but, but no, yeah, it's it's very meticulous. They move the ball really well. They They're very patient. They don't necessarily try and force a look. And, you know, they just they just trust that the movement will eventually lead to a good look and and, and that and that'll lead to buckets. OK, and I know we mentioned that the Raptors don't really have someone to dominate. However, they do have a star in Pascal Siakam. And unfortunately, he just did not show up. Now, to give you context, the aggressiveness, uh, he really couldn't do much after the first quarter because he caught three fouls in the first quarter. And I know a lot of people, they get scared when you get 2,000 in the first quarter. But I, I understand why Nick Nurse kept him in because you don't want to <clears> – sorry, you don't want to stunt your rhythm. You know, I, I can see why I left him in, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, it's just like, well, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't because guess what? He just got 3,000 in the first quarter. And then for the rest of the game, it just, it just didn't look like Pascal was in it. But he finished 5 of 16 from the field, didn't get any three-point uh, – baskets and also he only got three boards so yeah, yeah he definitely definitely had a down game um i like Serge Ibaka's game he did i i, I think i uh like he was just very efficient that that game i think more than anything um 
the Celtics are just super balanced. Like, no, no one. I mean, I think the highest scoring player was was it Tatum? He had twenty one. Yeah, it was Tatum. Tatum had. So this is crazy. Tatum really didn't do anything in the first quarter, and the and the Raptors were up, or the Raptors were down by nineteen, and Tatum only had two points in that quarter. And he he ended up uh, finishing nine from eighteen from the field and had uh, two three point uh, two uh, two three pointers as well. Yeah, so he so Marcus Smart both dropped twenty one, and then Kemba dropped eighteen, and Jalen seventeen, and they were just super balanced. Which yes, you know, it, it just goes to the it just goes back to the point where we're making about the Raptors. Both of these teams very much play team basketball, um, and it's very enjoyable to watch them both of them play because they both play team right. And they both play team defense too. Um, it, they're they're this is going to be a fun series to watch i'm going to enjoy it and i do think it can go either way for sure maybe having tatum for for the celtics maybe that's the, the push that i give them because they do have somebody that in the clutch if there has to be any iso ball can be the one to step up yes because he's um recently well I'd say January, February, he started playing like an all NBA player. And, you know, every now and then he'll have those three for 17 stat lines, but that's just going to happen. He, he's but, young, so he, he's not, the consistency's not there yet, but. Right. But he shows promise. You, you can see a little bit of, you know, of that work and that time that he put in with Kobe whenever, you know, they spent those summers together. You can still see a lot of that in, in his game, especially when it comes to like not being the one that shy away from the big shots at the end of the games. Right. I mean, this is the man that dunked on LeBron James in a game seven, you know? I mean, at that age, he was, he was really young at it uh, that year, you know, dunked on LeBron James in game seven, but he's, he's got promise for sure. And he, he, like I said, you could definitely see that, that Kobe influence in him. Yeah. And I mean, and it's just a testament to the Celtics once again that he only had two points in that first quarter, and yet they were still up by so much, you know. And I was like, to me, I was like, the Raptors going to come back, you know. And they and they they kind of did, you know. They sneaked in, but they you just can't fall behind by that much so early, you know. All right, well, let's but, go on from that. I uh, there's a game on tonight. Games, mm, yes. Nuggets, Jazz. Man, what a series for Donovan Mitchell and. His counterpart on the other side for this series, they've just been going back and forth with Murray. They should just let those two guys play a one v one. Just let them go, you know, one one on one for Game Seven, and it would be super entertaining to watch. They've both been putting in crazy work in these games. Dude, they're dropping like forty and fifty like every night. It's the performances have been outstanding, and it's not that they're just dropping high point averages there's very efficient and they're so to put it in context murray is only averaging two turnovers per game in the series and he is a very high usage rated uh, rated uh player in the series there's two games where he has zero turnovers and uh, the amount that he had the ball and the aggressiveness of which he played it's kind of hard not to get zero or it's kind of hard not to get at least one turnover, right? Right. Like that one, the one, the one move where he went to the basket, he did a three sixty layup on somebody. I mean, it was on Gobert, you know, one of the best defensive players in the world, and he was able to to make something out of nothing. So I got a little bit of numbers here. So Donovan Mitchell is averaging thirty eight points per game on fifty six percent shooting from three. Fifty. Holly. Or I was just yeah. 55%, I should say, but still that's high. 55% from three. Murray, 34 points per game on 57% from three. Golly. And then add on to that, it's not just three-point shooting. Don is shooting 94%. Donovan Mitchell is shooting 94% from three th- uh, free throws on nine attempts per game. That is Harden-esque almost. He's been he's been hella fun to watch, right? Because like I think another part of, of this series that I really enjoyed as far as like the narrative goes is that these two kids, these two kids, they're not, you know, they're not league superstars, right? Like they're playing like it, but this isn't, this isn't like the uh, series that maybe the NBA would have pushed as like, you know, the narratives to go with, right? you know, like, I mean, they wanted, they wanted to have, you know, Zion so bad, right? They, they've been pushing the Zion narrative on us so heavily. Um, 
And then, of course, there's always, the, you know, the LeBron and the Kawhi. And the, these two names aren't, the, you know. And, yes, Donovan is, is, is an up-and-coming darling in the league. But he's not, you know, he's not the guy that the league is going to – he's not the face of the league kind of guy, right? He's, he's just a kid who's who's been balling. And Murray is – I mean, he – and in fairness to to everyone, it's a lot of that is on him. He's been wildly inconsistent. You know, it's been known that he he has a talent to do stuff like this. He just doesn't ever seem to put it together. But this series, man, he's been yeah. Th- this is also a plus for small market teams. You know, like you said, the teams that they were talking about were always the high, the bigger markets, the LA's, right? You know, things like that. Uh, but it's the Utah and the Denver, you know, teams. This team that is arguably the best series of the whole playoffs. And what did we have? We had the Nuggets in five, right? I think. I think I had the Nuggets in five. I think I had them in six. Oh, you did? Because I. One of us had them in six and one of us had it in five. I, I, I don't have it in front of me. And, and even the first game where Donovan, you know, put up the 50. Fifty points. Yeah, we st- and still thought we were like, "Well, this is this is one one they're gonna get," you know. Yeah, and but he was able to keep doing it, you know. Right. And this series, you know, we talked about Houston having some future implications in it. This definitely does. I mean, whoever loses, what coach loses in this first round, you can you can definitely see one of these coaches getting uh, let go. You know. Yeah, I don't like the idea of it because I like both coaches. But right, but I do think that that's probably the case because they do want those those two teams to feel like they're advancing and they're progressing. Um, it it just one one thing I will say about this about the series is what is your take on on Jokic performance? Like, didn't you expect this to be the Jokic show? So he's actually, I mean, he's not underperforming, but I didn't expect him to be the second tier. Uh, player hey, like you didn't expect and the robin to the batman of of but you know what i don't think that's a bad thing i because I, I mean look i love Jokic. he's one of my favorite players in the league and he transcends the center position in that he doesn't do what a typical center does he can do more he passes better than a lot of your favorite point guards but at the same time maybe he shouldn't be your best scorer. I'm not saying your best player because I still ultimately think Jokic is obviously the better player. Right. I don't think he should be your best scorer. That's fair. So I I think Jamal doing what he's doing is is honestly a long time coming because uh, considering what he's getting paid. And so maybe this is a dynamic that we need because he is obviously a lot more aggressive than Jokic. Right. And that's what we need. And Jokic is aggressive in the sense that he can command the ball you know, and he does get a lot of a shot off and he's and he's still aggressive in that sense. But I don't think he should be the the aggressive uh, score. All right. That's fair. I I, uh, I I don't know. I kind of wanted to see a little bit more from I, this is a tough matchup. I mean, he's he's got Gobert on the other side and Gobert is trying to earn his money as well. Um, uh-huh. But I don't know. I, it, I feel like I did. I, I did definitely expect a little bit more. Um, not that not that the series, you know, is lacking at all. Uh, another player that was right. disappointing to me, especially this last game, was Michael Porter Jr. Oh my goodness, man, that was they one for seven from the field and two points for the game. He did have he did have you know twelve rebounds, which is solid, but it just it feels weak from a player that's supposed to be trying to step up and and trying to begin to make a name for himself in the league. So we've talked about Michael Porter Jr.'s uh, early season struggles to get on the court. You know, um, Mike Malone was definitely hesitant in doing so, you know, getting him on the court and getting him a lot of minutes. And he did have a stretch where he was like, oh, man, they should have been playing him the whole time. But there are defensive moments. And, I, and I'm being nice by saying defensive moments because really it's pretty much any time that he's playing defense that he looks – discombobulated and, and just out of it because he's perfectly he's he's perfectly physically gifted to be able to do it really at a really successful rate like he's got everything it takes it's just uh. 
It's just frustrating. And and you know what? It's it's early. So it's young players, sometimes it takes a while for them to get defensive schemes in the NBA. So I'm not even going to sit here and shit on them. It was like all this, but that is why. There was all this stuff with like all the Luka hype. And remember he, he him coming out and saying, you know, how he could do everything and even do it better than what Luka was doing. Right. Like, Dude, you haven't done anything. Yeah. Like if you're not going to do anything and then when you finally do get a chance to perform, you don't show up, man, just keep your mouth right. Like, I mean, so to put it in perspective, at one point, I believe it was, um, I believe it was game six. Um, he was let out of the game and, for PJ Dozier, which is, I mean, pre-bubble, he was non-existent really in the uh, Nuggets rotation. But in light of all the players that are not playing, such as Will Barton, which, I mean, I don't get it. He 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 left the bubble. His knee, I didn't know his knee was that bad. But he's not there. Gary Harris is finally in the rotation, <clears throat> but it allowed other players to step up. Mm-hmm. And and Dozier was favored Dozier. in a defensive yeah. situation over than Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, Dozier didn't even play last game. It just kind of goes to show you, you know. He- yeah. So there's there's moments where 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 Dozier is in there for Michael Porter Jr. But you know what? I don't just want to talk about Michael Porter Jr. There's also Pil- uh, Paul Millsap. Yeah. Man. Yeah. He is non-existent for sure. I, I thought this series, he would be able to do something being that, I mean, the Jazz really don't have like tough wings or at least ones that can really stop you. I mean, they got like Joe Ingles that can kind of He's mess with you. Right. But, and besides the Go Bears, I mean, they don't really have any physically defensive imposing players. So I thought Millsap would be able to do something here, but he just looks out of sorts, and I mean, it's really just a Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic show, and it's hey, it's fun, it's fun to watch. But I don't know what that means going into the next round if they happen to beat the Jazz. Who do you, who do you think wins tonight? They, uh, tonight's game seven, right? Oh, I got Denver. I got Denver. You still got Denver winning tonight? I, I really do. I think, I think for them to what is it a three? They came back from three one, right? Yes. So, well, hold on. They they went up the first game, right, and then. They proceeded to lose three in a row. Wasn't that the case? They won game one. Utah won game. And then I think Utah won game one? Yeah, Utah won game one, didn't they? Yeah. They did? Yeah. I thought I thought it was in a losing effort. Um let me look it up. Donovan Mitchell did. Cool. Yeah. Sorry. This series, it seems like this series is going on forever. <laughs> well, I mean, when like half of the East was all gentlemen sweeps and Right. That's kind of how it goes. Let's see. I guess Jazz game one. Yeah, because I from I thought I thought it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, Donovan. Yeah, game one, Denver beat. Uh, You're right. Utah in losing, but and it was one of those things where it was like Donovan did all that and and they still lost, you know, right. by ten. So it was like, yeah, the Nuggets should be able to handle this team easily, but it just hasn't been that. But yeah, uh, do you have anything else you want to say about uh? The series? No, uh, I also I'm also going to take Denver tonight. Um, they're, okay, they're the more complete team. Although I, I I had a hard time picking them because it in one in a one game scenario, I really like Don having a huge game tonight. I just think there's too much to overcome. Maybe. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to move on to a series that is over. But we unfortunately, you know, since we haven't been able to record. Uh, we haven't been able to talk to uh, talk about this series in its uh, entirety, and that is the Mavs Clippers series. Yeah, only reason we're talking about this is because we're obviously Mavs fans, right? Like, just, we're gonna have to touch on the series. It's not, it's not really relevant at this point um, in the playoffs anymore. But we do kind of want to recap it and just get final thoughts on uh, on what ended up being, I would say, a successful season for the Mavs um, for for what expectations were and what ended up being um i think the only negative drawback from the series is definitely the kp injury other than that i think it, it ended up being a successful successful uh, season as a whole for 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 the mavs but let's get into some details here um what 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 were your takes we haven't talked about this about the series in quite some time right i think we didn't right. we recorded we didn't even get to, we we tried to record right after the Lucas shot, um, yeah, and then we have we we didn't get to we just a lot of stuff going on and we haven't right. done it in a while, so let's just start 
I guess let's start there. That's where we where we left off on it. Okay, so for them to be without KP and also be down twenty one that game, and then just have a you can say they had a meltdown in the fourth quarter, which allowed you know mm-hmm. the uh, Clippers to to get it to OT. But for them to do that and Lucas still come through and hit one of the best three-point shots I've seen in quite some time. And yeah, you could say it wasn't the best shot, but it was the most ideal defensive assignment on him for for the Mavs, not for the Clippers. We do know that that is – he loves to step back. That, right. that left wing step back is where he's most successful from. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the one that we see fall the most, like – out of all the spots on the court, that's definitely the one that I, if if I have to see him taking that shot, I want it to be on that left wing. So just to kind of, for historical context, that was the uh, youngest player to hit a game-winning buzzer beater. In the playoffs. In the playoffs, yeah. In a playoff series. So, I mean. And it was on, yeah, this is. Was it on a 42-point performance? Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? You it just it still blows my mind that Kawhi Leonard just didn't fight through this the switch because you know they were switching the whole series because they have so many defenders. Right. So that was their so it wasn't like like it was just a complete mess up because pretty much that's what they were doing. But that is the one time where Kawhi should have been like, you know what, I'm guarding this dude on the last possession. Yeah. And it was Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Instead. It's unfortunate if you're unfortunate for Reggie Jackson because it, it shouldn't have been the assignment that he drew. Um, right. I wanted it to be PG because I wanted to see another game winner get busted on PG. Yeah, and you know what? Speaking of PG, it it is amazing that the Clippers were able to handle the Mavericks pretty much with just Kawhi performing out of his mind. Because Paul George, besides that, the one game that he had, he he didn't really have a great series. I mean, he shot thirty five percent from the field. And there was just it, it. There was times where he just didn't seem mentally there. Three point shooting because I know I, I know I'm thinking. So his three his three point shooting. Yeah, let's let's get on that. Twenty seven percent, which is a uh, not a series worst, but it was uh, second because you know what you know what's crazy. Kawhi only shot twenty nine percent, but. His mid-range game was Jordan-esque. Yeah. There's not that many players that can make the mid-range an efficient shot. Yeah, so the, so after this game, the following game was an absolute blowout. And then in that final right. game, Kawhi in the mid-range, he just got whatever he wanted. And we know the Mavs are not known to be a defensive team. They don't have any answer for a guy like Kawhi. But, man, it's no. too easy. He At one point in that fourth quarter, he it's like blow pass – Curry effortlessly shoot one in Kleba's face and then shoot one in THJ's face. And it's just like, yeah, it, there's not, they're not, they're not going to be able to hold him. But you know what, Noe? Um, albeit, you know, quite average over 30 points per game in the series. I will give Kleba, a, a, you know, I'll be like, Hey, he, he tried. It wasn't for a lack of trying. He was, on Kawhi most of the time. It's just Kawhi overpowered. And it's not like they were playing bad defense. I think that that's one of the biggest glaring holes for this Maverick roster is that I'm sorry for Kleba that that shouldn't be the assignment that he's on. Um, that there's We, we got to get a wing defender that can – We're not, and I'm not saying that – I'm not expecting anybody to stop Kawhi, right? But, but there's got to be somebody on this roster that can at least make it interesting and make him work. Because he he got whatever he wanted against Kleba, and it's not anything against Kleba because it, it's just not a good matchup for him or for really any big um, to to be on that in that guard. I, it's just not it's not it's not a good you know not a good formula for success there. Finney Smith, you would hope would be able to step up to that, but Carlisle didn't trust him to be able to, and probably with good reason. Thj, we know he's not he's not yeah. Yeah, the last game he was non-existent. There was moments where he, you know, he put up twenty, but the last game where they needed someone else besides Luca to step up. Right, right. This is a glaring issue that we need, or that Dallas needs to address. An, another player. I mean, because 
to me, yes, it's a wonder that THJ has done what he's done this season, but I think that's more reflect a reflection of Luca and Carlisle system yeah. more than it is as him as a player. He he's got to come off the bench. Yeah, and we've heard rumblings that that Cuban wants to keep him in Dallas. I I'm right. Not necessarily against it, but I'm not a fan of him having as prominent of a role as he's had so far. Yeah. Um I'd rather I'd rather him just opt in and, and collect that 18 mil and then the Mavericks can see what they want to do in 2021. You know, yeah, he could he he'll end up being a trade piece because that expiring contract will have some value. Um, right. It's not often uh, so no, you know, I don't think we talked about Luca enough, which is that is a crazy thing to say. But I do have some stats which kind of kill the narrative a little bit about the clutch situation because you know yeah it's, it's noted that the Mavs are one of the worst clutch offenses in the league even though they have the highest rated offense um since uh the Kevin Durant Warriors which is actually an all-time highest rated offense so yeah um so for Luca in clutch situations which is uh within five points in the last five minutes uh per nba.com he's shooting 70 percent true shooting and that, of course, once again, incorporates free throw shooting, three-point shooting, which is not necessarily yeah. some of the higher points in Luca's game. Yeah. So he came up big in these moments, and albeit uh, only qualified for two games because, of course, you know, two of those – one of those was a blowout. The other one wasn't necessarily all that close. Right. Also, he shot 36% from deep, which he is uh, this past season 31%. So this is, this is, this is great. And then just the overall average of – 31 uh, points, 9.8 boards, and 8.7 assists. And this is what a team that was supposed to be his kryptonite. Yeah, this is what I, what you and I were talking about when this series first wrapped up. This this was supposed to be the team that was built perfectly to defend him, right, to guard him. And when you and I talked about this series before it started, you know, we said this is probably not going to have a great ending for Luca, as far as what his performance would look like throughout, you know, the series. Um, and the only game that he didn't ball was a game that he was in foul trouble. Cause other than that, he, I mean, he did what he wanted to do um, against whoever was in front of him. A big part of Paul George's issues this, this series was he never developed any rhythm. He stayed in foul trouble almost every early game, every, every first quarter that he was assigned to, to Luca, those first two games, it was like, three fouls in the first quarter, you know, it's hard, it's hard to develop shooting rhythm when you're sitting on the bench. And I know that that's not the only thing going on with Paul George, but I know that that attributed to the terrible offensive performances as well. I think this, as far as the outlook for the Mavs future, and as far as the outlook for Lucas future is an extremely bright, bright series, him being able to come out and perform against the team that was supposed to be able to defend him the best, the way he had, is 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 a really good sign, right? Because like, what would Luca have done against a team that wasn't as well suited, right? Like if he had played against Utah, or you know, like there's other teams in the league that definitely don't match up well with him. It it's yeah. a scary thought for sure. That said, and that's why it was important to not drop all these games that they did in the bubble, right? And they might have been in a better position. Of course, yeah. Which is you know, we're not gonna sit here and try and you know look back and try and nitpick the mistakes no. made. There's no point in doing it. Right. I don't think there's any point in the Mavs doing that. I think that Luka does have a lot of work to do still. He A lot has to be done with that free throw percentage. Um, it His inconsistency at the free throw line is, is really concerning for a player that's supposed to be a skills guy. So right. he's definitely got to work on that. And the other thing that I would love to see him work on, because I don't – I feel like those percentages, especially from three, are aren't as indicative of him being a bad shooter as they are indicative of him having horrendous shot selection. Shot selection is the one thing I also, aside from free throws, that I want to see Luca really work on. I think Carlisle is the one that's kind of have to rein him in a little bit because that's really what I feel like he needs is 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 to be reined in a little bit. Yeah, Luca has the green light. We we get that. But he's got to know, you know, when and where. And, you know, he's, he has so much success going to the rim. Maybe there's maybe there's more of that to be had as opposed to just, you know, chunking up air balls from step back threes, which we've seen way too much of. 
I think that that three point percentage is not, as I said, indicative of poor ability to shoot threes as much as it is poor, poor, poor shot selection. All right. So, you know what? I think we've talked about the losing team a little bit more than we probably. Well, because we're mass fans, it's natural. Right. Right. But I, I don't, I don't want to come off. We don't want to come off like that. So what are your takes on the Clippers uh, going into the next years? Obviously, we don't know necessarily yet who they're playing. Right. But what what are your takes on um, just their overall first-round performance and what they can take from that and move on to the next round? So a couple of things to keep in mind for the Clippers. Patrick Beverly was out for the mass majority of the series. And even though Patrick Beverly is not, you know, a world-ender, he is very much a key part of this this team and the way that it's built um his health is going to be crucial to what they do moving forward obviously paul george dude you got to figure it out man like this this you you can't just sit here and talk and jaw and then step on the court and have one solid game in a six game series like it just it's just not going to work Kawhi, you already know what you're getting out of quiet Kawhi is as consistent as it gets. The dude's, I mean, he's a robot, man. He's a machine. He, he just goes out there, he does what he does, and there's no stopping him. There's no preventing it from happening. You know he's going to get his his claws on you on defense. It's just, it's just it is what it is. You, you, he's, he's unavoidable. But definitely the Clippers, as far as like before this, the, before the playoffs started, I, to me they were the favorite for the championship. Um, they looked very beatable against this Dallas team. You know, I think that 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 idea of them just running through teams, because I figured they would just coast until they played LA, until they played the Lakers. Now I don't think so. You know, I think I think they're gonna have to work hard in the next round and and even harder in the following if they get through. Yeah. Th- so the thing is. Their big man play going into the next round is not necessarily either way. They'll they'll get a very aggressive defensive uh, putback threat and a Gobert, or they're just going to get an overall offensively gifted center and Jokic. So it's kind of like that. The 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 five's got to step up. Um, so I didn't necessarily want to touch on this guy so much, but Marcus Morris, even though he did a lot of questionable things. He did look good for the most part against Dallas. Yeah. And I think he will be a key contributor if he doesn't get suspended because, you know, we're, we're that's still pending. I, I still think he's getting suspended for game one of the next series. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to happen. Okay. I think so. Um, it really should happen after the ankle incident, but whatever. But after the, the shot to the head to Luca, I think that the NBA is going to have to do that. But I think he's going to play a key role. I think it's going to be – the fours and the fives are gonna make or break um, uh, the Nuggets or the Jazz uh, in the next series because I think Kawhi is gonna be just fine, like we said. I don't think Paul George is gonna play as poorly as he did against Dallas because man, that was just an abysmal performance. There's no way he performs to that level again. He just can't, you know. Who do you think has the better chance of getting past the Clippers? I mean, I think it would – well, for the next round, it would be the Jets uh, – not the Jets, the Nuggets. It would have the Nuggets. Nuggets. Yeah. They have more They have more firepower. The only thing is, defensively, they're just not – they're not a threat defensively. Yeah. But, but they're – yeah. I think the I mean, big man play is, like you said, it's going to be the key. And I think Jokic can do more damage than Gobert can. That's why I got – I think right. the Nuggets over the Jets as far as who's going to give – Eclipse the better series, but I don't, you know, I don't see either of the teams beating them either. You know, I, I think the Clips advance next round too. Oh, no. Okay. So now the last question I got for you then seeing that what we saw in the first round with the Clippers, do you have them beating either the Nuggets or the Jazz in five, or would it be more so six? I think it will. It depends on who, who gets through, but no, I don't think it goes five. I think, I think it at the very Minimum go six. I don't, you know, like I said, I, the the Clippers look beatable against Dallas. You know, um, I don't. I don't. It also depends on on health, right? Because like Beverly's probably going to draw the Murray assignment if he's healthy, and that makes a big difference. Um, 
as far as being able to slow down Murray a little bit, which we've seen is crucial for Denver's success. Right. So I think six. Yeah. I think either, you know, I, I said Jazz would lose in five or something like that this last round. So it's hard for me to say they'd lose in five again next round and then they, you know, they're <laughs> proving me wrong time after time. But no, I think I think if it was the Jazz, it it will be Clips and five, and if it's the Nuggets, it'll be Clips and six. Yeah, I can see that. You know, and yeah, the Jazz are are you could say maybe performing above uh, what you thought, but that's because the Nuggets are not really a great defensive team. Yeah, so they're, they're not going to do that against the Clips. Yeah, and you know what? You could say whatever you want about you know Luca getting to wherever spot, but yeah, but he's an MVP candidate, you know. And right. that's different. And it's not like the Clippers are just playing horrible defense. It's just because he was able to yeah, greatness to get out of those. Yeah. So yeah, I, I still think that's gonna play a factor defensively. Um, but yeah, that's uh you have anything else to say about uh the Clippers before we get out of here? No, 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 no. I just I I, I definitely want to see them play better if they if they really feel like they're gonna, you know, if they're gonna maintain title contender or title favorite, you know status they need to they need to play better for sure than they played against Dallas otherwise you know and like I said nobody's looked unbeatable like we saw what the Bucks have been doing the Lakers don't you know they're a good team don't mind don't get me wrong but they don't look unstoppable and this is what's great about this playoff is for the first time in so long there isn't like juggernauts right it's it's a lot of really good teams but not necessarily any juggernauts that you're just like you know yeah no one's beating them yeah, I agree. Okay, so just to kind of give y'all a schedule of what we got going on uh, this week. So, of course, you know, culture surfing is not just NBA pod. It's an overall just culture pod. We're going to have uh, a hip-hop episode later this week with a special guest, and we'll be discussing our top five uh, rappers of all time. Uh, so that'll be dropping Friday. And then we still have some uh, other artists that are coming on in uh, the coming weeks. And then Noe and I are, of course, going to keep talking about playoff basketball. And we do have plans for once the draft actually gets going, we'll have someone on for that, being that me and Noe are not by any means draft experts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, yeah. It's, we'll, we want to make sure that we have quality people to be able to take care of stuff like that. We don't want to just put out bad content either. Um, right. So, It'll be, it'll still be good. It'll still be quality, even if we're not necessarily the most informed. And not, you know, I'm not saying that we're just gonna give ourselves a pass either. Both of us will definitely be doing a lot more homework on trying to make sure that we're better prepared for for the draft. And all, and in all fairness, this draft is just horrible. So <laughs> it's it's not like it's just. There's a lot of people that can't even call who's gonna be the number one pick or even the number two, and that usually doesn't happen. Typically, a team knows who they're gonna pick. And, uh, and, you know, scouts are like, yeah, this is a definite number one. Right. There's no one in this draft that you can say that about. Consensus, number one pick for sure. But with that said, guys, I know we're, we've been running a little long, but we just wanted to, you know, catch up with y'all. Once again, we're sorry that we weren't able to put out anything in the last week or so, but I promise you that we'll be getting better at that. And y'all have a nice day, and please wear your mask and social distance.